Lord, your scripture tells us to prove all things. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to hold fast to that which is good. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your perfect plan and perfect timing. Father, thank you that you have delivered us as those who are recovering legalists. We have no right to look down our nose at anyone, any other religion. We too would fabricate all kinds of things. But for your mercy, God, we would be left in our foolishness. And so, Lord, we come, we don't want to speak pejoratively of any other group. We want to humbly cry out, Lord, deliver us from ourselves and do this for your own glory. Let us hear the word today, Lord, this marvelous day, the day of recovery, recovery of the sweet news of, and clarity of who Jesus is and what he's done. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen. Amen. Well, maybe we could break out into some group discussions. What did you think of Tetzel's sermon? Were you bothered a bit? Uh, by the way, uh, he was also uh, at to- uh, sometime later denounced by his own church. So that's interesting. I don't know uh, a lot about that part of the history of it, but um, he was a bit of a loose cannon, but he certainly did uh, represent um, a-, a fundraiser, as it were. You always want to be careful when the church gets involved in fundraising. <laughs> uh, when you go beyond cupcakes uh, and you get really serious and start talking about people's souls and grandma's soul and all that sort of thing, you want to be very, very careful. Um, and today I want you to look at Galatians 1. Um, maybe you're familiar with the phrase, uh, fall from grace. You hear that, that phrase, English phrase? Pretty sure that, that probably comes out of this passage. Um, the Galatians have have fallen from grace. It doesn't mean they've lost their salvation, but they certainly have lost the joy of the gospel. There's a a lot of danger if we fail to sink deep roots in the gospel. Um, One of the things I'm going to say today is that I think we listen to the gospel casually. I don't know if we do the deep uh, thinking and thoughtfulness about the gospel and its implications. We can talk about uh, some of that today, but I think we, th- this is a, of course, uh, a region that the Apostle Paul had visited. This is a circular letter to a region in, in called Galatia, and Paul had planted churches there, and then he had heard of their departure. Now, what's going on here is a group of, uh, of, of, of Jews uh, called Judaizers who were sympathetic to the Christian message, sympathetic to Jesus, but they were really disturbed that churches were not practicing circumcision uh, as, as some distinguishing mark, some sense of, of, of approval before, before God. So they're called Judaizers. They bothered the Apostle Paul. They followed him around, and he was often writing about their heresies. So the Judaizers have shown up in some way or another uh, in in Galatia, and we know that this is a big issue with the Galatians, and whenever you want to figure out what a legalism is, usually you want to fix your thought on Jesus plus, and then this equals approval, okay? So that's a kind of an easy 
heresy uh, sniffer, if you like. Uh, Jesus is good, but this makes you really okay. Does that make sense? So this is called the Galatian heresy. And it's uh, legalism, by the way, is a, is a heresy, just, like, you know, and just as licentiousness, which is another subject, uh, loose living is, is, is also, if someone were to teach loose living that we don't need to conform to God's will, that would be also be a heresy. So let me, let me share with you a few ideas that our identity, our freedom, and our security in the gospel are not givens. Let me state that again. Our identity, our freedom, and our security in the gospel are not givens. But daily we must preach the gospel to ourselves and work these truths into our hearts so that these truths function as true spiritual power. We're here this morning celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation because of spiritual power evidenced in an Augustinian monk. And that spiritual power was working in that hammer. That was, a, that was a hammer of conviction. Come what may, these are my convictions based on, on Scripture. So we've got to work. Uh, they're not givens. Our identity, our freedom, our security in the gospel is not, are not givens. And there is a daily preaching of the gospel to ourselves. Okay? I would love, love for us all as a church to figure out that daily habit of preaching the gospel to ourselves. And so we're going to explore that. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Listen to these words. I am astonished, verse 6, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Gospel identity number one, gospel identity is not so easy. Gospel identity is not so easy. The Galatians turned. Now, why is it so difficult, again, to keep our focus on the gospel and our our identity in Christ? It's hard, it's hard to not want to to belong. It's hard to not want to belong. The Galatians want to belong. They are insecure. And these Judaizers have come and they have presented their case with such convincing rhetoric. And they must have presented essentially a kind of tradition. This is how God works. Yes, the Savior is important. But these acts on your behalf that you do matter and they gain something they improve your status before God. It's hard to not belong. The Galatians responded to fear by religious performance. In their case, they were adding to the gospel the right of circumcision. How are we to live the Christian life? What is the life that's pleasing to God? What must we do? Right? Paul answers this in Galatians 5, 6. He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. The only thing that matters is faith, working through love. So if you want to figure out this whole, this whole religious right thing, actually, it doesn't have any value. 
The only thing that matters is faith working through love. How do I live the Christian life? Faith working through love. Who wants to feel like an outsider? Who wants to be seen as sort of an odd person not joining in? And so around those who are most convincing, around those who are most eloquent, we must be careful. We listen carefully. A daily gospel identity is not so easy. But it's rooted in the conscience. Luther was a man of very very real conscience. He understood the holiness of God. He read the law of God. He knew what God required. And he was under a great burden of shame and guilt. He tried everything his church prescribed. And then the gospel broke through in the truth that it is through the life of Christ accessed by faith that we are declared righteous. It is not a process, but it is a declaration whereby the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. That is earth-shaking, revolutionary stuff. There was a gathering in 1917 in the University of Berlin for the 400th anniversary of the Reformation. And one of the speakers said that Luther's religion is a religion of conscience. A religion of conscience. This means that no one has the right to mess with you and your conscience. The Westminster Confession, chapter 20, states that God alone is Lord of the conscience. This is a very important, very important principle. What Luther was discovering is that the traditions, the theology, not all of it, the practices, particularly penance, he couldn't find it in Scripture. And what developed was, well, what will be the standard by which we make any judgments? And of course, we in the Protestant church embrace this idea of sola scriptura, that the scriptures alone are our final authority for matters of conscience. This is for your freedom. But daily gospel identity is not so easy. It's not so easy. We have very active hearts. We want to belong. We want to we want others' approval. We, even today, we depend on religious, religious authorities to guide us, to teach us. But Martin Luther discovered two important distinctions, that the law of God has a role and the gospel has a role, and we're not to mix those two up. The law does its role in condemning me, causing me to cry out, I need a Savior. The law does not encourage me to improve my life. The law condemns me. The law is not instructions to, well, get going and get better. It is a declaration 
that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Galatians turned. And we as well are tempted to turn, I would say, daily. It is hard to get over our own ways of feeling righteous, our own ways of feeling like we have some status. It's difficult to believe that you're righteous by someone else, that someone else makes you beautiful, someone else makes you acceptable. It's very hard to do. Don't you trust in your resume? Don't you trust in your performance? Don't you sense your uh, you know, the, thing, the good things that you've done in life? Don't you feel that those things should merit something even before God? It's hard. The Galatians had at their heart an approval idol. Notice verse 10. Paul says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This means it's a difficult thing to stand before people and you need to be sure in your conscience that God has received you and accepted you by Christ alone. So approval seeking, do you find that in your heart? Do you find that true about yourself? And of course, this leads us to the whole discussion of what what is to bind our conscience. Think about that. What is to bind our conscience? What are we to do that, what, what, excuse me, what are the, what are the, the rules of the conscience? Or what, what are the, what, what's the, the way we're, we're called to live? What, what are we to do? For instance, I'll give you an example. When you see people who are, instru- who have been instructed in something that's not true at all, in something that doesn't matter at all, but they live as though it does matter. You sense that they're burdened and you can sense that they are um, constantly sort of fighting shame. For instance, uh, the uh, ladies, you realize that uh, it was, wasn't such a long time ago that women were not allowed to wear lipstick, at least in church gatherings. Um, we are consciously aware of, you know, what is it that is prohibited, what's not prohibited, what, what can I do, what should I do? Romans 14 covers uh, these subjects, essentially says that the law of love, the law of love should govern all our behavior in areas where the Bible does not directly speak. But we are searching for approval. We are all recovering from approval seeking I'll make sure that's really clear but we see people burdened with things that are not taught in scripture and so how do we discern what is proper for the Christian what is right for the Christian and what is not we have to look at scripture alone so daily gospel identity is not so easy the second idea I have is daily Gospel freedom is not so prized. Daily gospel freedom. See, Paul's fighting for the Galatians' freedom. Look at verse 7. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
And right there, one can lose their freedom. This means that what Protestant theologians call private judgment, this means that you ultimately are to stand before God based upon what God has said and what do you truly believe. And if we become groupies, if we become groupies, we're in danger of losing our freedom. Paul says in verse 8, For even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul is putting it directly to the Galatians. You are responsible for your private judgment. You have a way to discern the gospel. You have been given the gospel, a standard. Now step up. (laughs) Hear the gospel again and again and again, get clarity about it, and then stand in the judgment that you have about Scripture. This is called private judgment. Even if we or an angel from heaven, now that would be pretty impressive if the apostolic group that first came through and established the church comes back and starts preaching a different gospel, that would be, like, that would be, I mean, just to be with them would be somewhat intimidating. How about an angel preaching to you? That would be somewhat intimidating. Paul is essentially saying, when authorities come, when authority shows up, and authority's not preaching the gospel that you first knew, turn away and don't believe. In fact, Paul says, let him be accursed. So you're responsible to guard the freedom purchased for you by Christ. You're responsible for that. Now, what is this freedom? Well, there clearly is a prescribed will of God for us as Christians. We could draw a circle, make a circle. And you think about the commandments of God, start with the Ten Commandments, you can go into various scripture. Yep, this is what is God's will for the believer, right? Okay. Now, uh, we got plenty to do, by the way, in that circle. <laughs> Plenty, plenty to do, but what we do is we kind of go outside that circle and we come along with other things and we can bind people's conscience with things that are not clearly taught in Scripture. So, for instance, Paul basically says of circumcision, it doesn't matter. How about that? It has, it has no bearing at all. There it is. So is, is that in the circle? Paul says, nope, it's not in there. What's in there, though, is faith working through love. That's in the circle. So, these are essentially called scruples. Scruples, old English word, scruples. These things can show up in life in the church. Um, how one dresses in church, right? Become very self-conscious. Can you wear shorts in church? Can you not? All these sorts of things. Sandals, all these sorts of things. How about clapping in church? How about drums in church? Any drummers here? We had a drummer this morning. What do you think about that? I've been around someone who frowns at the idea of drums in a church. Really, what is that? Have you ever read Psalm 150? There's about a dozen instruments used in Psalm 150, and they're clanging, and they're like, you know. The psalmist might even say, get some trash can lids. So, 
just let you know. So, and by the way, there's a role for pastors and elders to protect the church from people who would seek to bind your conscience and to say this is true worship, this is pure worship, this is pleasing to God, when this is all stuff that's outside of the circle. This can be things of even something like Bible reading, memorizing scripture. Some, some can come along and are indignant that they find out that well, someone else in the church doesn't, is not diligent about memorizing scripture. That's a very, very good, good uh, discipline. It's excellent. But the tone and the vibe is that this is really what good Christians do. This is what pleases God. Does that make sense? Are you all tracking with this? What provides God's approving gaze upon us? And if that really resonates in your heart when you say Jesus and Jesus alone, you really, really have a conviction that's Jesus alone, then you, you might just write like Galatians chapter 1. You might just get a hammer, and uh, well, maybe not on our church door, but some other door. You, you, might just, you might just get motivated, you see, because this is significant and serious stuff. Luther was essentially put on trial, having to defend his writings sometime later after um, his disputations had been known. And he is threatened with not only excommunication, but with death itself. He is being called a heretic. And he returns after being dismissed for a day, comes back to this trial. It's, a, it's really called the, the Court of Worms or the Diet of Worms in Worms, Germany. And he concludes, here I stand, I can do no other. He cannot hide behind anything else but the scriptures alone and his conscience. In other words, he cannot be a groupie anymore. He cannot just follow his church blindly. The Galatians have easily have allowed easily their conscience to be bothered by those who have come and taught things that are not right. We are called to discern man-made laws. We are called to discern man-made laws that are presented to you as gospel truth and are intended to bind your conscience. What a good Christian would do. The Westminster Confession, chapter 20, says this, God alone is the ruler of our conscience. Our conscience is free from any man-made teachings and commands that contradict his word. And in matters related to faith or worship, our conscience is free from whatever adds to his word. If we believe that these man-made teachings or obey man-made commands out of conscience, we don't really have true freedom of conscience. And if we have blind faith or if we obey without discernment, we destroy our free conscience and our reason. Luther posted his 95 theses, and they are described as affirmations which are crisp, bold, and unqualified. There should be a proper 
firmness in how we hold on to the gospel. This doesn't mean we need to be angry at people. This doesn't mean we need to be uh, unkind. But we should firmly hold on to the gospel when we sense it is being challenged. Religious tyranny is still something we are to be very much aware of. And Luther thought to, to protect the people of his region of, of Germany from this tyranny. One of the ways that, well, one of the ways that we can also experience gospel freedom is to know ourselves well. It means that we know that we really can't keep rules very well. It means that we aren't really good at obeying religious prescriptions. It means that we know ourselves well and we know that we cannot do even these man-made rules, let alone God's law. And to stand alone is difficult, but we are called to do it in order to keep our freedom. Daily gospel freedom is not that well-prized. And thirdly, gospel, daily gospel recovery is not so far away. Gospel identity is not so easy. Gospel freedom is not so prized. But gospel recovery is not so far away. And again, we look at verse 8. Contrary to the one to the gospel preached to you. Look at verse 8. There's a standard for gospel recovery. There was apostolic authority that delivered the gospel to the Galatians. In our day, we have that same apostolic authority in the scriptures. We have the reliable, inerrant, infallible word of God to help us recover the gospel in our daily living. We are casual listeners of the gospel. And we need to recover the gospel daily. The Reformation was a clear break with a massive legalism. A clear break from, with a massive legalism. If you ever find yourself where it's hard to love someone, hard to draw close to someone, hard to someone, you can sense they're captive to some particular sin habits or something. If you find yourself hard or you distance yourself from them or you find yourself you know, feeling superior to them, you have not, you're not experiencing gospel recovery because the gospel is a fundamental humbling of all our pride. We are all recovering legalists, recovering Pharisees. And so when we come across legalism, we can understand it and we can identify with it. But the Reformation was a clear break with a massive legalism. And how did that break happen? It happened through the power of justification by sheer faith alone. Gospel recovery is obedience from a clear conscience. And the conscience in Hebrews is described as being cleansed from dead works. We're brought before God in a new spirit and a clean conscience because God has satisfied 
the payment of our sins through, through Christ. Gospel recovery is the task of the Spirit. Gospel recovery is resting in justification. How close is all of this? It's as close as your Bible. Gospel recovery changes our hearts from posing and pretending in the language of Scotty Smith. We can identify with sinners. We can identify with attempts to excuse ourselves or defend ourselves. 1 John 2 tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. That's how we got here 500 years later. Perfect love casts out all fear. The one who hammered his 95 theses to that church experienced perfect love, and it was casting out all fear. This means that as we grasp the gospel, there will be a proper boldness about us. We will move with the movement of the gospel. Love is casting out all fear. That fear includes religious tyranny. That fear in includes man-made imposed things. Our son-in-law, Tonio, was invited to church as a teenager and he felt embarrassed because he didn't have any nice clothes. His friend kept inviting him and Tony would kept saying, well, I don't have any clothes for church. And so one day on a Sunday morning, his friend was asking him to come to church with them and Tony gave his standard reply. And his friend said, follow me. And he walked him into his own bedroom, found clothes for him, and he wore those to church. And of course, he came to saving faith in Christ because a friend thought of his need, right? Christ is like that, isn't it? Isn't he? He clothes us. He covers us with his robes, see? He brings us in. We all have this sense of shame, this sense of I can't come as I am, see? I can't come as I am. And the truth is, that's true. You just can't show up in God's presence as you are. That's true. You've got good instincts. But Christ came to cover this shame. Christ came to take upon us this shame. Christ became, Christ became naked that we might be clothed. That beautiful thing. What had Luther discovered that day? He discovered that he'd been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And so... What are the opinions of men? See, he had received the very righteousness of God. What is, what is this fear I should have of others? It's dissipated. Perfect love casts out all fear. Isn't that beautiful? That's how we got here this Reformation Sunday. I hope, I hope that you move in this boldness. I hope you move in the, a daily recovery of the gospel because you have the scriptures available to you as you interact with your life, your foibles, your lack of faith, your doubts. The scriptures have given you the gospel and recovery is available to you daily. Available to me as well.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have made it crisp and clear that Jesus makes us beautiful. Lord, we thank you for the gospel that is our complete recovery. Thank you that you're working through by the Spirit, in and through the Spirit, to convince us that we are clothed with the robes of righteousness that Jesus gives us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for caring for the church. Thank you for being faithful to the scriptures and for delivering to us the very word of God. Lord, we don't worship the Bible. We worship you. And we thank you for the clarity. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.